you know, we've done 99 episodes from the David and Leo perspective. And so we thought we got to bring in Natalie and Ashley today to really hear the full story because you always hear from Leo and I, but this is your chance to hear from my wife, Ashley, and from Leo's wife, Natalie. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to help you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. Here's your host, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. David, who was that? Well, Leo, I am so excited to announce that this is our 100th episode. And so we have invited my wife, Ashley Thompson, and your wife, Natalie Sabo, into the studio with us today. And we are going to share a little bit of our life stories. 100 episodes, Leo. Can Mm -hmm. you believe it? (laughs) Pretty remarkable. Well, let's introduce my wife, Natalie. Would you say hello? Hello. (laughs) That's it? Just hello. That's it. That's all I got to say. That's all she got for now. (laughs) She'll talk some more in a minute. But we wanted to just do this show and really just allow our wives to come alongside and share some of the experience that we've had. Obviously, you guys have heard from us over the last 99 episodes, but there are two individuals that have been a tremendous amount of help for us Mm -hmm. as we've lived this out. And we wanted you guys to be able to hear from them and just hear the other side of what it takes to actually make this work. Because we're not perfect, and you probably will find out some of that today. It does take two different people, um, and we are completely different. Natalie and I are different. I know David and Ashley are different. But I think you guys will see the benefit of how we have made it work and how you can make it work. That's right. You know, we've done 99 episodes from the David and Leo perspective. And so we thought we got to bring in Natalie and Ashley today to really hear the full story so that you guys can hear what it was like as we first, you know, got married and when each of us were dating and uh, what it was like when we were paying off debt and kind of hear the full story because you always hear from Leo and I, but this is your chance to hear from my wife, Ashley, and from Leo's wife, Natalie. So I think the best way to kick it off is just to kind of begin to share uh, our story. So for Ashley and I, uh, this kind of goes back to 2009 when I had just graduated from college and I was extremely normal. I had $15,000 in student loans and I owed that to my family because my family had lent me some money to finish out college. I had $3,000 in a car loan and shortly after I graduated, I had an emergency appendectomy. So I had about $2,000 in medical bills as well. And when you take a look at it, here I am 23 years old, fresh out of college with over $20,000 in debt. And I went and looked at the average graduate that year. And I saw the average graduate the year that I graduated college had about $20,000 in debt. So I'm totally normal, totally average. But at that time, I had something that was well above average. I had been dating Ashley for about six months. (laughs) So because I'm a sweet romantic and I was stacked with that, I asked if she wanted to go to a personal finance class with me at church. And the church was located right between where she was living with her parents and where I was living with my parents. And so I said, hey, baby, do you want to have date night at the church and learn about money? (laughs) So let me get this straight. Ashley, you said yes to going on a date every week to a financial class. Does that sound, sound about right? Yes, that's correct. What did you think of that? Yeah, so I was on board with it. Um, it might have not been my idea of a romantic date night, but even at six months of dating, 
we were already talking about the idea of marriage coming up in our future. And so I did like to know, or I did like the idea of knowing that we were getting on the same page very early on in our relationship with something that was really important, which is finances. So I actually didn't know very much about personal finances or budgeting when I was growing up. But when we went through the class at the church and started learning about how to build a budget and our tithing and started to begin tithing, it really changed our worlds. I was actually babysitting part-time while I was going to school full-time at college before we got married. And my understanding was that you had to have a full-time job before you could put these budgeting principles into place. But going through these classes actually showed me I could do it even on a small income part-time and I was able to tithe off that income and I was also able to put some money into savings, tithing 10% and then saving over $2,000 towards our wedding and actually have extra spending money each month, which before I felt like I lost the money and I didn't ever know really where it went. But after putting these principles into place, it really just helped me realize anyone could do this. Anyone could live on a budget. Anyone can tithe. That's great. Uh, it's so true. I mean, you guys were going through and just learning about finances. I, I wish that our start was the same way. Uh, unfortunately, neither one of us had personal finance education, neither from a church or even from our parents. So when we started, we, we were both working full-time jobs. Neither one of us went to college right out of high school. I actually took a break between high school and college. I just took a year off and I started working. So when I met Natalie right during that time, I just, I mean, I wanted to spend every moment that I could with her. And so I would buy her gifts almost every single day, every time I would come with at least a rose or some kind of a gift. And I was exercising every love language, trying to figure out what hers was and really just go all out on that. And, and I think she said something about she thought I was really rich because <laughs> I was buying her stuff. And she's like, you must have a ton of money, otherwise he'd run out of it. Uh, but I just spent it as fast as I could make it. Yeah, that's true. My family was the same way. We had no education as far as money went, and my parents believed in living on credit cards and taking out second mortgages on the house and all that good stuff. So I never knew anything about spending money. All I knew was that I could get as many credit cards as I wanted, and as soon as I turned 18, I did. Um, so I was always buying a ton of clothes and just spending it and having fun. And then one night when I was out, uh, I drove by a Ford dealership and I saw a Mustang. I drove in. I was entirely by myself and said, I want that Mustang. And the guy's like, how much can you afford for your payments? And I told him, and he's like, all right. So I drove that Mustang home that night. And the next day, Leo came over and he's like, what is this? However, he did enjoy driving it a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I definitely uh, didn't agree with her buying the car um, just because I thought, gosh, you should have at least talked to your dad or your, one of your brothers or me. Um, but Natalie was, was just that kind of person. She just she went after what she wanted. And I wasn't really much better than that, to be honest. I mean, I, I bought a sports car right out of high school after wrecking my first car. And so here we were, our first year of dating, and we both had sports cars and a ton of credit cards. And so we are having a great time, though. I mean, I'm, <laughs> we had a great time. But unfortunately, we were just not that responsible when it came to taking on debt. But I will say that we were very responsible in paying our bills and sticking with our expenses. To my recollection, we never not paid our debt or paid our bills, which made it almost like this is okay, we can do this. You know, it made us go into it even deeper because we thought we can handle it. 
And it wasn't until I lost my job that we realized you can't handle it. <laughs> you know, you can't plan for everything. So that was kind of our our beginning. Um, and unfortunately, it, it set us on a path where eventually that day of reckoning was going to come. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the sports car. Uh, some of the lingering debt that I had after college started five, six years previously when I was in high school and I bought a uh, Ford Mustang. It was fire engine red. It was awesome. And it was a great, great car. But honestly, uh, if I had known more about finances at the time, I was in high school, but if I'd known more, I would have realized I can't actually afford this vehicle. And I remember on multiple occasions, my parents having to help me out either with gas or insurance, or uh, I had to actually extend the loan. And that's why it carried all the way through college and then after college paying that debt off. And so uh, those, those fancy sports cars early on in life, they will, they will get you. Every time. <laughs> I think it's so great that you guys were exposed to financial education early and that you made the commitment to learn about finances. Yeah, being in a class at the church really opened us up to getting consistently great counsel from people who knew a lot more than us, uh, people who'd experienced a lot of personal mistakes, people who were willing to share what they'd learned so that we wouldn't have to make the same mistakes. Yeah, and uh, while we were dating, we actually decided to keep our lifestyles to a minimum. So... I was living at home with my parents while I was going to college and David was living at home with his parents and each of us were driving cars that were actually over 10 years old. Uh, that fancy car that David was just talking about <laughs> was actually 10 years old. So he did drive it for a while. Um, but we were also, um, we would also have date nights every weekend and I would put $10 into an envelope and he would put 30 into an envelope. And so we'd end up having $40 to spend for date night or movies or going out to dinner. And this was guilt-free for us because we were able to know that we were putting that money towards something that was fun and it was a way to have some extra spending money. But then we also made the decision to put anything that we didn't spend that weekend and roll it over into a future savings for us just so that way if there was something later down the road that we wanted to put a lot more money towards, we had that saved aside for ourselves. Yeah, Ashley and I working on that together early on where she would put a little bit of money in the envelope and I would put a little bit of money into the envelope. It allowed us to go out and have fun date nights, not worry about what we were spending on those weekends because we had kind of a limit, that $40, and it also didn't affect the rest of our budget. Ashley could budget her on her income. I could budget on my income separately, but we had something fun to do. And I remember over that first year, uh, we'd gone through the class. We were really equipped with a lot of great information. And in that first year, I completely paid off all of my debts, all $20,000 after graduating from college. So in the second year, I already knew, Ashley and I had been dating for basically a year, almost a year and a half at that point. And I knew that we were going to be getting married. And so that second year, I started saving for a ring. And I proposed in March of 2011, uh, the day before my birthday. So actually had no idea. I planned this great, huge proposal and uh, a bunch of fun excursions that we do. And she thought that we were celebrating my birthday. And then that night I got to pop the question and she was totally surprised. It was awesome. But it was at that moment that I just immediately dove further into saving because I knew that she was going to be graduating from college with $24,000 in student loans. And I had graduated with $20,000 in debt. And so this is totally normal. When you look up the average 
you know, student from the year that she graduated, it was 24,000. When you look at the average student from the year I graduated, it was 20,000. And so, you know, I knew that we were going to need to replace her car. Her car was having a lot of issues. She uh, actually, I remember going up to her school on multiple occasions when it had broken down. And a lot of times her dad or her brother would come out and fix it because they were more mechanically inclined but I'm not mechanically inclined. So I was like, okay, we're going to need another vehicle, not necessarily brand new, but we'll need a replacement. Uh, so I started saving for that, started saving to have a little bit of an emergency fund and to pay for the wedding right now, uh, you know, all these expenses. So every month I was motivated and I saved more than 40% of my take-home pay. And I was also tithing to the church and had also read a book about generosity. And so I ended up more than doubling the tithe and giving more than 20% because my heart was just in it to, to honor God and to serve other people and to be a blessing while still saving 40% of the income because I knew that we were going to be getting married soon. Yeah. I just think it's fantastic that not only were you seeing the fruit of what you were doing for yourself, but because you already were thinking alike, right? You were thinking, okay, we're going to get married. David, you already started taking steps toward how am I going to combine my finances with Ashley and now her debt's going to be my debt and and we have to deal yeah, with this and I think right. that's such an important thing that you guys were able to see and do and, and and I love that when my daughters were were dating and they had moved to that past that okay we're we're not just dating anymore we're looking at marriage Natalie and I both started talking to them about beginning to look at their finances as one because they're already saving for the wedding they're saving for different things and it was so important for them to to really think about how they're spending money now that they're dating before they actually said, I do. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, now we have to combine stuff. And I think it was good for them to start several months earlier to start looking at their finances together. And you guys did that because you were being exposed to this financial education. Yeah, we got to go to the class together and learn together. And so we talked about and started building out what budgets would look like when we got married. And we didn't pool our money or combine our money until we got married, but we had a plan in place so that when we got married, we'd be ready to go. And I was motivated. You know, I had a goal and I knew that if I sacrificed and I chose to live at home with my parents when I could have afforded to move out, but I chose to live at home so that when we got married, we would start from a much better financial place. Now, I don't think that anybody could keep up that intensity potentially of saving, you know, over 40% of their income, giving a high percentage of their income. But for a period of one to three years, you can keep that intensity up. You can, you can get motivated. You can set a goal. You can be laser focused. And I think that I had originally like a three-year goal and finished it in two and a half years. Uh, but it's because I had the right mindset. Ashley and I set some good boundaries, even with what we were going to be spending on the weekend and then on the wedding. And we just had realistic expectations of what we could afford. But if you set the habits in place early, it will change your life. Uh, you can pay off debt with incredible intensity and you can change your family for generations. Yeah, I remember when we first got married, David and I had been talking about a plan to pay off the $24,000 of student loans that I came out of college with. Um, we had actually planned to both work and put more than 50% of our income towards paying off debt so that we could be debt in one to two years. But David actually ended up surprising me when we first got married. It was one month after we got married and he had a huge surprise for me and he said, guess what? Here's a bunch of cash. And he brought a bunch of cash home and said, this is a representation of all of the debt that I'm paying off at the beginning of our marriage. And 
it was the full $24,000 and we were able to make that bank transfer and we didn't even have to pay interest on my student loans for even one month. So it was amazing and an amazing way to start off marriage, completely debt free and really starting from ground zero, which gave us a great place to start saving more intensely. That's awesome. That's a great way to start marriage. Our marriage was not like that in the beginning. Um, The beginning of our marriage was really, really rough because we experienced the consequences of our frivolous spending. We fought all the time about money. It impacted our time together because we were always thinking about it. Leo had to take extra jobs to pay for all the stuff that we bought to make ends meet. And we didn't have date nights. There, there was no such thing as a date night because there was no money. And if there was money, there was no time because he was always working. It's really important not to take on that much debt so early in your marriage, buying cars or houses, because then you commit yourself to too much financial responsibility and you won't have enough to spend on what really matters, which is your relationship. Yeah, what Natalie shared is it's just so important because we just honestly just didn't know. It wasn't that we were purposely trying to wreck our lives. We just didn't have the financial education. And we were honestly doing what we thought was right. We, we were living the kind of life that we thought, I don't know, to a degree, I guess, deserved. But also we had decent incomes. We were both working. We didn't have any children. So, you know, when you're that young and life is just so full of opportunities and hope and everything, you don't really think about the consequences of taking on a little bit of debt. And it just grows steadily. And that's what it did for us. And by the time we found out that we had more than we can handle, we were upside down. I mean, that's why for us, date night wasn't something that was really possible because we started with a negative state. It wasn't, you know, you guys started to where you paid off the debt and now you're starting at ground zero. If we had started ground zero, it would have been so much different, you know, because we could have cut back on some things and, and still had a little bit of fun. But um, but we didn't have that. We we'd literally, by the time we woke up to the situation we realized, gosh, we don't have enough to take care of everything we need to take care of. And I'll say this, even though that was the case, we never did without. I mean, God was so faithful to our family. By this time, we started having children. Um, We already had one, one on the way, actually. And it was a difficult season, but yet we've always seen God's faithfulness. And because we started managing money better, uh, it improved the financial side, but also improved our marriage, which was a huge thing because we just started on a pretty rough patch. Once the party ended, which was the spending, once the spending ended, the party ended. Um, and it was just this, it's just this, I don't know, difficult, difficult season because I felt like I was working all the time and she felt like I was never home. And of course we could never spend any money to have any kind of fun. So we had to kind of reinvent what, what it meant to, to have a healthy marriage and to have healthy communication. And to be honest, it just took some time. It took a long time for us to get there. Once the spending ended, the party ended. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. cracks me up. Well, and what I see now and what's so amazing about you and Natalie, Leo, is what you get to do now and what you have and the ability to do the things that you were created to do, which is what this show is all about, is once you began to manage well and you began saving and paying off debt and you got to the place where you're able to lean back in and have fun again. And I get to see that all over the two of you guys and over your lives. And so it's just fun to look at that. I wish we had been able to make decisions earlier in our marriage that would have helped us financially be more stable and start from ground zero like you guys have. Yeah. One decision that we did make early on that was helpful 
um, was that we both were working full time, but we decided to only live on one income so that we weren't financially relying on my paychecks for our lifestyle or bills. So we decided this because we knew once we started having kids, we wanted me to be able to have the option to stay home with them. And then this allowed us to use my income to grow our savings towards specific goals, like building a three to six month emergency fund, saving 20% down on our home, and also ended up paying for three vehicles, paying full cash for the vehicles. We were able to also make vacations a priority, which is something that's been very important to me even since the beginning of our marriage, just making sure that we had the ability to, even if it was not going that far away, but just going for a long weekend, just it was something that was important to me. All right, so let's let's get into some of the mechanics. I'm curious, how did you guys blend your finances? How did you start budgeting and what did that look like for both of you? Well, David had an awesome idea to build his budget in an Excel form. Did you, did you say his budget? Y- yes, his okay. budget. <laughs> Uh, when we first got married, he was so excited to show me that he built our budget for us. He put in all the numbers and was like, hey, guess what? This is what we're going to work on for our budget. And I was not impressed. (laughs) (laughs) So it was not very aesthetically pleasing to look at. And as an artist, that's something that's very important to me. And I also didn't get to speak into the process, which is something that we knew we should have both been able to speak into, but we, he was just so excited about it. He just wanted to go ahead and build it and show it to me. But uh, he ended up telling me, you know what, I want this to be something that you have buy-in for and you're excited about too, so let's start fresh. So we went through and refigured out the numbers together, made sure that we both were in agreement on the priorities of where we were spending and saving. And then he said, okay, go make it pretty. So I was able to make the budget something that I was excited about, something that I was looking forward to having a budget meeting every month because I had buy-in to it. Yeah, Leo, this was really difficult for me because I had spent a lot of time creating the perfect budget that I knew was going to work like magic for us. And uh, she took one look at it and said, nope. (laughs) And we had to actually literally delete the budget Excel sheet that I had made and start from scratch. That's rough. That's really rough. So So you couldn't even like amend the one you had. No, we didn't even. She she literally was like, we're scrapping it from zero and back from the top. So and but the fun thing was that she she sat down and she typed it out so that it meant something to her. Like it was, it was our budget now because Mm -hmm. I was there with her as we built it, but because it needed to be something that was, that she felt was fully hers and fully ours, she typed it and that gave us both buy-in. We both spoke into it. We both built it together. And that was a really big moment, I think, in our personal finances to work on the budget together and not have one person come in and say, hey, I know how to do this. You should do it this way. (laughs) That's good. Well, I I wish I could say that I did not make that mistake, Ashley, but unfortunately I did. Actually, I was even more bullheaded. I didn't just come with a spreadsheet. I came with with just a plan that I said, Natalie, this is what we're going to do from now on. And honestly, I didn't come to it trying to control or trying to create something that that she she hated. It wasn't that. I just I was such a at a, such a difficult place because I felt like a failure. I felt like I had let my wife, my kids down, and and I wanted to fix it. I mean, I desperately wanted to fix it. So, for me, getting on a budget was out of desperation, out of like this might be cool. No, this is like a life change that I have to do right. 
And so I didn't ask Natalie anything. I just, I just remember creating it and then telling her, this is what we're going to do from now on. And I'm sure I wasn't, you know, romantic about it or kind about it. I just like, cause again, I was very frustrated with the situation. It wasn't her fault. Uh, it was our fault, but, but I just had this, you know, this desire to fix it. And I get so fixated on that, that I completely ignored her feelings on it. And I basically said, this is all we have. This is all we can do. And that's, that's how we started. Yeah. So Natalie, you guys are going through what sounds like a really difficult time financially. Leo has figured out his solution. He knows, Hey, I can beat this if we follow my plan. What was that like for you to have him kind of ride in like a a shining knight on a horse and say, Hey, here's how we're going to fix this. Uh, And without coming to you first and getting that unity before you move forward. Well, let me just put this disclaimer out here first. Okay. So the person that I'm going to talk about right now is not the person that he is today. Okay. So I'm just going to throw that out there. He was not the knight in shining armor when he was doing this. He did literally come to me and say, this is what we're doing. And I don't think the man had ever gone to a grocery store and knew the price of any items that we would need, like diapers and milk and those kind of things. And so his budget was a little bit unrealistic. I also knew that I did not have the input at that time. And I, part of that was my fault because I felt like I was at home with the kids. I wasn't making money. Therefore, I should keep my mouth shut about how it's spent. And part of that is the mindset that I grew up with in my family. And it was, you know, there was no making waves. There was no fighting back. And so I just, you know, took it. So I really didn't say too much but you know sometimes I would ignore the budget and then that would cause even more issues. I didn't say much. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of times I ignored the budget Um, but there were things that couldn't be helped. My kids were growing. They needed clothes. Um, They went through a lot of diapers and formula and those kind of things Um, and so we would constantly fight over the budget Um, But eventually, we had to learn how to make this work. And unlike you, um, back when we started this was before, you know, computers. And so... Come on, it wasn't that old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it kind of was. So we had a black binder, a black three-inch, three-ring binder. And there was a page for everything and everything was handwritten and everything was hand calculated. So doing the budget on Excel would take you like 15 minutes, took us about 15 hours. And so it was like a 15 hour marathon of arguments over you spent this much money. Honey, the kids need diapers. And it was very difficult. I wish you could see my face, but it was very difficult And then eventually, um, we got to the point where we started hashing things out together. And we finally understood that I had to listen to him, but then there also had to be a point where he had to listen to me. And so one day we had just had enough and we're like, we got to work this out because the fighting was so bad. And you know, and that's like one of the leading causes of divorces. And I felt like my gosh, we're on this path of fighting all the time. This is horrible for our kids. It's horrible for me. It's horrible for him. And I knew part of the struggle was that he was trying to fix a problem that was a genuine problem. And I knew that his heart was good and that that's what he wanted to do. 
but I knew I couldn't continue to live like this. And I also knew I couldn't afford to go to work because I couldn't afford daycare for my kids. So there was really no alternative here. So I can remember we sat down one day and we said, look, let's, let's make this work. What do you need? And so once I had a little bit more buy-in into it and I got a little bit of leeway, like there is enough money for groceries when, you know, diapers cost this much and milk costs this much. We started to work together and we were able to trim in other areas. There wasn't a lot to trim at that time. We were pretty tight. We were really, really tight with money back then. But then after we got it together, we started setting goals. One of the best things that we did was um, when we moved down to Texas in 2000, we started going to Gateway and we started doing some of the classes and we were doing crown small groups and we had other people that were holding us accountable. That really helped us to see that we weren't alone. We started just talking things out. We made plans. We set goals. And then eventually we decided that I would go back to work when the girls were in school. And he's like, hey, why don't you just go back to school? Because I was just going to go work at Walmart or Starbucks or something. And he's like, just go back to school. So we had been budgeting for a while now. And so he paid for me to go back to school. And then once we started working like you, we decided we're going to only live on one income. Yeah, I think what really what did it for me is that I just saw the frustration that she was feeling. And finally, I remember one day sitting at the kitchen table, I put the budget out and I said, because I always had the budget on the front of the this three ring binder. And I just took it and I just tore it up. And I said, okay, I said, let's create a budget that you like. I said, whatever you want to do, let's just put it together. That sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I literally, after budgeting for what felt like several years, I finally realized this was all my thing. And the reason she never bought into it and the reason she was, fi- what I felt was fighting me on everything was because it was my thing. And it was, for her, it felt like a, a little bit of control, probably a lot of control. And really, it just took me a while to, to see that because I was just trying to fix the problem. So I just want to say this to guys out there that are a little bit like me. You know, you're, not that you're controlling, you're just trying to do the right thing for your family. And that's honorable. But if you just take the moment to just have a a candid conversation with your spouse and just ask them to tell you what they want out of this, and then be willing to scrap whatever you've got and start over. Because if you do that, then you're going to have 100% buy-in from both of you. And it's just from that point on, I mean, mean, we set goals and we started knocking things out. We paid off the house within a few years, saved for college, paid for college for both our girls who cash and um, paid for their weddings. And we were just able to accomplish so many things. But prior to that, it was just like a struggle. And uh, I wish we didn't have to go through that, but it's just, it was what it was. And we used that to teach others not to go down the same path because you really don't have to. I'm glad you guys had a chance to avoid that. One of the other things that gave me buy-in is that once I started working, I was able to add some things for me in there. Because as it was, our budget was always about the kids, always about paying bills, always about this, that, and the other. And then um, eventually it was to the point where it's like, I need something for myself. One of the things that drove me batty was that every little thing had to be accounted for in the budget. So once I started working, one of the first things I said is, I want some cash. I want cash where I don't have to talk to you about it. I don't have to tell you where it goes. Um, And so he was like, okay, but then I get that too. And I'm like, absolutely, let's do this. And um, so that gave us our first taste of 
freedom. That was really the first time Mm -hmm. that we had freedom with our money and it felt really good. And then eventually it got to the point now where it's like, okay, I want my nails done. I want my hair done. And so he's like, okay, it's in, we can do it. It's in the budget. And so now when I'm doing my fun things, it's so much better. And like you, Ashley traveling, I love traveling. And so we've made it a point that we get these vacations um, every year so that we have our time together. We're having our date nights. It's just, it's, I, I never knew, like when I heard the word budget, I thought of jail. And now when I, and when I hear the word budget, I think of the freedom that we have and it really is. And it's almost come to the point where it's reversed. I'm like, dude, where's that money coming from? And he's like, don't worry, it's in the budget. I'm like, where, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Natalie, I love that you said that because really that was almost the same experience that I had when we were going through our budget process in the beginning. Um, Even though I was working full time, I felt like it was David's money that we were living on. It wasn't my money. And we really had to talk through that and make sure that we were both in agreement on every area that we were spending, every area that we were saving And we early on built in personal spending amount too, so that we could have our own allowance and feel like we could freely spend on that. And you're completely right. We have complete freedom in those areas and it's just freed us up to feel like, okay, we're not, the budget isn't something that is a jail. It's something that really can give you financial freedom in a lot of ways. And you're not bound to certain rules or requirements. You can make it flex into Um, If you need to save a little bit bit more in a certain season or spend a little bit more in a certain season or put something a lot towards a big goal, you can make the budget work for you. It doesn't have to be something that is rigid. And once you build it once, you can never change it. Right. And I love that. Um, Leo and I sit together every year in January and we update our budget and say, okay, what do we know? We know we've got two cousins or whatever getting married and we know that we're going to spend this much on Christmas and we know hey you're going to be traveling more with your job you probably need to get some more clothes maybe we need to work that in and now with grandkids this year we'll be adding a grandkid budget and so that's secretly already in there it's kind of borrowing Um, but I'll come home with clothes all the time he's like where's that coming from groceries so, <laughs> um, so it's flexible. It's very flexible, but it's in the budget. Yeah, Leo, you talked about how some people can be controlling with the budget, and you may have experienced as you're listening. This, you may have experienced somebody trying to control you or manipulate you through the use of a budget. But I want to encourage you that if you can shift your mindset away from that control and that fear to the budget being more like a fence that allows you to use the full yard but not run into the danger that's on the other side of the fence. And this is what it was for me. Having the budget in place actually opened it up to where I was able to spend more. I would have actually been controlling and manipulative around money if we didn't have a budget in place because I would have had so much fear at the time. And thankfully that's been released and I've dealt with that. But I would have had fear and been like, well, no, we can't we can't go for date night because we don't have money for that. Or no, we can't go on vacation But having the budget in place allowed us to set money aside for date nights and for vacation and still plan to pay off debt. And we had no debt then when we first got married, but, you know, plan for saving, plan for the goals that we had. And so uh, I would just encourage you if you're listening and you felt controlled by the budget before, 
begin to take a different perspective of it, begin to look at it differently. And if you have used a budget to control someone, realize that it's going to take some time to heal those wounds, that this is not an overnight like, okay, hey, I have a new budget this time and now I'm going to let you buy in. No, you have to actually throw away the old stuff and say together, we're going to build this if you're in a relationship and begin to heal and mend those wounds. Yeah, that's really good. I think the one big takeaway that I would love for our listeners to um, to hear is that when you work together, you can accomplish it. It doesn't matter what your actual bent is. You you might not care about money. You, you just want to be told, hey, I just I, I want to know what I have to spend, and that's all I want to know. And nine times out of ten, that's kind of Natalie's thing. She's like, she's there when we build the budget in January, when we, we really put a plan in place. But day to day, she's not really into numbers. She doesn't really care about that. She just wants to know, how much do I have? And and that's not controlling because we built it together, right? Whereas before, if she said, how much do I have? And I would tell her the number, she would never feel like there was enough or she felt like I was, you know, again, controlling or, or putting more toward the things that I wanted to do. And there was a little bit of that. I mean, I, I would always find ways to to spend the way I wanted to because I could work the overtime and, and I would justify it and say, well, I worked an extra four hours overtime. I can get that radio. I can get whatever. And that wasn't fair to her. So my point is when you're looking at the situation, you have to understand who you are and what your bent is, but then you have to be able to embrace the other person's side and realize that the only way you're going to have that that ability to work together and really accomplish the things that that we have seen in our lives, which is to be able to pay off our house, to to do so many other things. And I know you guys have, have accomplished some serious goals as well. And I think when you when you do cooperate, then the two is really better than one. I mean, you just have so much more return when you're working together. So I just hope our listeners hear that from this podcast, that we started differently, we managed differently for a while, but eventually we came back to the same thing, which is when we work together, and we have focus, and we're doing the things that, that we love to do. And everybody has different lifestyle and all of that, but, but you can make it work. And I think it's such a, such a worthwhile effort to go into it, combine your finances, work together, and accomplish those goals. Dream big. I love what you said about goals, Leo. Uh, one of my favorite things about our personal finances is just watching our savings grow as we put money towards new goals and seeing those goals achieved. One of my favorite things has been when we would sit down together and do the envelope system every single month and we would put the cash into our envelopes towards certain goals. But then when we set aside you know, a couple hundred dollars, we could buy a brand new phone. And so we had these short term goals. We had goals setting aside for Christmas savings to buy presents for people at Christmas. And then we had bigger goals together. We got to actually walk through and set up a plan to go to Europe and have a 10 day vacation in Paris. And this is something that Ashley had always wanted to do. And I wasn't sure that we'd ever be able to do that until we sat down. We put it on paper. We agreed that it was a goal. We agreed that it was something that we wanted to do. And then every month we started setting aside money in cash for that vacation. And since then, you know, we've started two small businesses. We've shifted our 30-year mortgage to a 15-year mortgage. Like we've started to learn these habits by setting goals and then making a plan to turn and do things in order to accomplish those goals. Yeah, I so agree. I think goals are so important and we we talk about them a lot, but I think in finances, it's probably the only thing that really helps you 
to stick to something uh, that you really should do. Not just something you want to do in the moment, but something that really keeps you motivated for a long time. And I would say, and Natalie can chime in here, I'd love for her to share her, her thoughts as well, but I would say that the most uh, impact and the most progress we ever made was when we had very clear goals. In fact, when we don't have goals and we just kind of do what we normally do is when we kind of slack off on some things and maybe even not set as much money aside as we need to. So I think goals are so important. I, I do this when I work with clients. I always give them the opportunity to tell me what goals do you want to achieve? Because I know that I have to go back to those goals. Every time they want to get off the horse, so to speak, and do something different or want to buy something, I can always bring them back to say, wait, you said this is important to you. Is it not important to you anymore? I think putting goals in place will actually help you to achieve things that you, you don't even think you can right now. I agree with that 100%. I can remember when I first started working and we set our goals again. And one of the things that we did is we printed out the amortization schedule for our house. And every time we would think about doing something else, we would pull that out and see where we were at. And every time we would think about, oh, well, let's just go buy this, we would pull that out and say, well, that would add this many years to our mortgage. So that was a huge, uh, a huge thing for us was setting those goals. And, and it's true, when we don't have goals, we get very sloppy with our budget. And, and it's not just him and it's not just me, we both do. So having those clear goals has really helped us to stay focused. Yeah, and the last thing I really want to say is just how important it is to understand the the need to have a budget because for us, we started with a crisis, but in our 30 years plus of marriage, we've had four different times when I've either lost a job or I've lost some pay or we've had to downsize for different reasons. And having a budget is what kept us from having like major financial problems because we were always looking at having margin, trying to live on one income. As you guys decided, we did the same thing. We never lived on two incomes. We always lived on one. So every time we took a pay cut, yes, we, we felt like we had less to give, less to save, but yet our lifestyle never changed. You know, we kept, uh, we stayed in the home we were at. We bought the same amount of food we did before. It wasn't this, you know, roller coaster ride where everything's great and all of a sudden it's like we're on bread and butter. And I think that's so important for people to understand. There are challenges that you'll face in your life. It doesn't matter if you budget or you don't. You will face these challenges. And when you have margin, you can face them and get through them and literally win through that season. And I think you can even, from an investing standpoint, you can even capitalize on those kind of seasons. Because when everybody else is not spending, everything is on sale, you can come in and, and get a good deal. Uh, that's how we got into real estate. And I think it's a really, really cool thing. If you can understand the benefit, not just for paying off debt and those kind of things, but really how it's going to set your life up for success for a long, long time. I just want to add one more thing is that the budgeting and learning how to live on a budget and learning all of this hasn't just affected us in our marriage, but it's also affected our next generations. We watch our children living on the budgets also because that's how we have lived. And so we're seeing how that's impacting not only them, but their husbands. And then it will also affect our grandchildren as well. And so that was just a natural byproduct of this. So we've gone from the generations of our parents where they mortgaged their $19,000 house and when they die, they owe $200,000. Um, we've gone from that mindset to, hey, we need to live on one income. We need to be able to have enough to sustain us and have enough for emergencies to now, 
our kids being in their 20s are looking at how can they invest um, so that they're not working to live, but they're, you know what I'm saying, they're, they're, they're able to look at other investment opportunities and ways that they don't have to work for their entire life. Yeah, and you guys have learned contentment and then taught your kids contentment and being content and being grateful and then opening up that margin to look for opportunities to invest, which allows you to then pursue your true life's purpose because you can then move into the things that you care about, that you're passionate about, and you can choose to take a job if it's a good job and you can choose to you know move past a job and say, hey, I've got something else that I know I'm called to do and I'm gonna go do this and it's more fulfilling, it's a better life and that's the heart of getting money right is that as you get the money right, it opens up your life to be free to pursue the things that you're called to do. And so we just wanna say after a 100 plus episodes. Leo and I want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for listening. We want to say thank you for downloading and subscribing. Thank you for finding us on social media and sending us friend invites, uh, connecting with us, sending us messages of encouragement. I've been blown away by the number of downloads, the number of listens that we've been getting just in the past 20, 30 episodes. It's just been skyrocketing. And I'm so appreciative to see that it's helpful. I'm so grateful to, to see that what we're sharing is helping you and helping others. So please take time to share the episode with other people. Let people know 100 episodes. It, it must be must be something, right? I mean, something's got to be working here if there's 100 of them. <laughs> I hope so. And I would encourage you to go over to Leo's website at leosabo.com and click on the podcast. And there you can get all the show notes from our episodes. So you can go back and actually follow the links. If you're trying to figure out how do I set up a 401k or how do I look into real estate or how do I build a budget? The link is there right on his website to get to the tool to build the budget. And we talked about that a lot in today's show. How would I begin building this budget? We'll go to leosabo.com and click on the resources tab. Uh, if you want to see some of Ashley's art, she is an artist and she's got this great website called poeticday.com. So you can go to poeticday.com and see a lot of her watercolor, oil painting, and a bunch of her really just incredible pieces of art. I think that it's the best art in the world, honey. <laughs> no, I really do. I love it. And we've got it all over our house. And I just, it's something that I really am grateful that somebody that is a little bit on the nerdier side, like myself, that, that loves the budgeting, got to be married to somebody who's so creative and intelligent and beautiful. Uh, if you get a chance, go over and check out stewardshippastors.com and the book, Jesus on Money. Uh, it is going to be an incredible resource for you as you begin to learn what the Bible says about money, specifically everything that Jesus said about money. And then if you want to be able to help your church grow a financial stewardship program, it's a great place to start. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. You can follow us there. We would love for you to put a five-star rating on there and subscribe so others can find the show. And I want to personally thank Ashley and Natalie for joining us for this episode. It's been fun for David and I to be on this show for all those 100 episodes, but without these ladies, you guys wouldn't be getting the experience we've gained because they've been in this just as much as we have. So you really are getting both of us when you're hearing one of us. Uh, but in this show, we just wanted to have them come and share their perspective, and I hope that's been helpful for you. Thank you, Ashley, for coming. Appreciate thank it. For having me. And Natalie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right.
budgeting and learning how to live on a budget and learning all of this hasn't just affected us in our marriage, but it's also affected our next generations. We watch our children living on the budgets also because that's how we have lived. And so we're seeing how that's impacting not only them, but their husbands. And then it will also affect our grandchildren as well.